Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. The podcast that talks to content creators about their journey, about the lessons learned, about their processes and about the advice they would give to those who want to be content creators themselves. You may be experienced or you may be yet to hit publish or record, but I guarantee you there will be loads of insights and takeaways for you to think about. In today's episode, I talk to the man behind one of my favorite YouTube channels out there at the moment, The Magic Source. Yuri Shoulders is the brains behind the operation. And I guess before we kick off, I should really encourage you to go and check out some of his videos after this one, obviously. If this is the first time you are here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, let me know your favorite bit on social media at 10Q Interview everywhere you may look. And don't forget, most importantly, to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching this. It would mean the world to me and I'm sure Yuri too if you share this episode far and wide. There is probably at least one creator you'll think of when listening who would really benefit from, you know, also getting the information that Yuri shares. So if there's that one person you know who wants to be a YouTuber or is currently a YouTuber but is struggling to sort of get traction, make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough from me. Now, onto the podcast. Yuri Shoulders, a very, very warm welcome to 10Q Interview. Second time round for you. And this time we are going to talk about your YouTube channel that I'm a huge fan of, as you know, The Magic Source. And I guess we'll crack straight on. Why, why YouTube? How did you get started with it? Well, let me just get started right away with um, with the best story ever. Since we're starting on a light topic, I started my YouTube channel, Chris, because um, about almost nine years ago, my father was ill um, and he had terminal cancer. It's, it's going to have a happy ending. I'll say that one. <laughs> okay. My dad had terminal cancer, which is, of course, very sad. I was looking after my father, flying back and forth between Singapore and the Netherlands uh, to look after my dad. While we were going through that with my father only having a couple of months to live, I found out that my partner at that time was cheating on me. So my whole world kind of collapsed um, uh, and at, at one at, at one go. And again, it's a nice light topic to start with. <laughs> okay. There's a happy ending to this one. So a lot of things kind of went, went wrong and I felt very out of balance. And what I did at the end, because I had to deal with kind of my, my father passing away, uh, my my at that time wife leaving me uh, with a so-called friend there was a lot going on and I fell down a bit of a bit of a dark hole and in the end I came out of it by basically selling my wedding rings buying a camera and a microphone and a tripod and I decided to take my sadness and my anger and turn it into something creative that is the reader's digest version I quickly taking you through an entire whirlwind but it's literally what happened I took that as a um as an opportunity to uh, to do something with it, you can kind of sit there and wallow in self pity, or you can pick something up and go, you know, what? I'm going to do something with this, and uh, I'm very glad I did because it has nothing to do with that anymore, absolutely nothing. But it's been my kind of creative muse to uh, to reframe a couple of things and my creative expression to hopefully add something positive to the world that came out of a super negative event. That's um, that's some origin story. <laughs> that is, it's a good driver, but it's seriously a good driver because um, it's not like everything I do evolves around that, not at all, but it was a good spark, if you want to say that way. It was a good, um, yeah, it was, it was, there was so much energy there, it, very negative energy, and uh, you can channel that in a couple of ways. Yeah. Uh, I decided to do something cool with it. So, well, what did you good want to on achieve? me, I guess. 
Yeah, 100%, man. What did you want to achieve with it back at day one? I wanted to have a new hobby I could jump into and learn about and get excited about. I wanted to create something that is positive for the world. And a more practical side was I had all this knowledge of having run, you know, a ton of innovation projects and creative um, creative projects for, for business. I wanted to share that with the world because I thought, first of all, information at that time is going to get more and more democratized. As you can see now, it's it's easily available, much easier available, where years ago people would pay um, top dollar for somebody like me to come tell stories about innovation. It's mm. all going to go online. I mean, you can get the best speakers. I asked somebody the other day, how much you know, how much does it cost to see Gary Vee speak? And somebody said, $150,000. I said, no, it's free because you just go on YouTube and you can see whatever Gary Vee says, yeah. whether you like him or not. So I saw that happening and I decided to just just share and like and give the good stuff away. And a lot of the things I started sharing were really practical and simple things um, and were often the things I, I didn't feel I needed to do for clients anymore. They would ask me for things like, Hey, can you help us with a uh, creative brainstorm for uh, a company's Easter party coming up? And I would tell them, like, you, do, you don't, need, you don't need to spend money on that. Like, I can, the, I've got three videos over here, yeah. and the videos will tell you exactly what to do. That's kind of how it's how it got started. So a bit of a distraction. Wanted to do something cool and positive, and then the practical side was let's just um, let's just start sharing some of the things that I've done to help clients. So and now all- it's like an easy. It's and now it's now it's an easy kind of marketing tool because people now find me through content which uh, i think is genius yeah well that's what i was going to say was it always when you when you got into it was it going to have a work focus was it going to support your work it started it it really started with um uh, i mean besides me kind of channeling my energy it really started with i've got all these ideas let's just create videos i thought videos were, were fun i used to play uh uh if you listen to our other podcast together with chris i used to play in a band so my I guess my um, instrument of creativity in the past was more music. Now it's now it's video making and video storytelling, visual storytelling. Um, it it didn't have a very marketingy angle in the beginning. It was just a way to just share things, yeah. um, and there was no real structure behind this. It was more a let's just throw something into the world. There was no not that much thinking behind it. I just created some fun little bits which I wanted to share. Uh, but over time, that turned into a, a just a very clever way to introduce myself and uh, the work that we do with clients, uh, an easy way to help clients with really simple things, which, again, I thought, why are you spending money on this? Like, here are like three, three simple things in the downloadable template below the video. Just yeah. do that. You know, get something started. So it kind of turned out that way. What was your, on day one when you bought your camera, what was your level of knowledge or expertise around recording, filming, editing, that sort of stuff? Editing, n- nothing. Uh, okay. Recording a little bit. I had a digital video camera in the 90s. I wish nice. I had it here somewhere. I actually could show you. You know those camcorder things? You know, there's like you on, holding your tape. hands. Yeah, onto, onto those little mini, mini yeah, yeah, yeah. digital videotapes, DVs. I had one of those and I've got tons of footage, which I only recently how you uh, said in that other episode, you, you, did you send them to your friend? I can't remember if we talked about that offline or was that on I the want, episode? I want to cut them a bit because content was slower then. So it's like, you know, 15 minutes of just with friends in the pub and there's nothing going on. It's just like hey, zooming in, zooming out. Hey, look, guys, we're in a, we're yeah. in a football field, you know, we're, we're in class. So it's a bit silly. 
but because I didn't know how to edit, which was harder then, you know, yeah. it's not as easy as it is now. Now we just use our phones. You can edit pretty cool stuff already. So I didn't know anything about editing. I knew a bit about shooting video. I was love taking pictures. I think that helped a little bit in terms of framing. And, and I think having been uh, speaking for so many years, it helped me being able to articulate things and not be nervous about that. Yeah. So editing, I really had to learn. And, and I remember the first time I opened, I went for Final Cut Pro. I don't know why I went for that one. I guess it's just a standard one that, that goes with Apple. Mm. I remember looking at it. The first time I opened it, it was like, <laughs> I can imagine stepping into like a submarine or like a, or like a flight tower. There's, there's just <laughs> so much going on. I had no idea what it was. And, and all these, you know, all these nerdy terms, which I didn't know down what that meant, you know, like things like, it, you know, focus peaking and sound clipping and uh, lower thirds and transition. I had no idea. There was so much going on and it was incredibly overwhelming. Uh, but just get started. And the first couple of projects were just horrible. I think my first video took two and a half years. Like just going from, I'm going to create video to actually actually posting one okay. took about two and a half years of procrastination. Like, what am I doing? And who's this for? And it's got to be right. And, the, and how does this editing work? And I get tired of it. And, oh, I lost the files. And I moved something from one folder to the other. Then I, the sound was gone. It was horrible. <laughs> so my first video is arguably the most expensive one I ever made because it just took like 150,000 hours or something. It's ridiculous. Right. I'm going to change tact here because you've just sort of stumbled upon something that I'm curious about. And <clears throat> for those watching or listening, will not know that you and I have spoken about this offline many times. But for those people out there who are watching this thinking, do you know what, I really want to do a YouTube channel. Actually, maybe we'll come to that in a later question. But I'm trying to work out how people can get past that hurdle that year and a half to two years of what you say two and a half years of idea to publish because that's rubbish for everyone right yes well how do you get past this and we we've talked about this at length and anybody who's ever heard any of my podcasts or any of my videos will have heard me say this no one cares <laughs> so the first realization because what is stopping people from um putting content out there, putting themselves out there, putting an article, uh, uh, some kind of creative expression. What is stopping people from doing that? Well, it's usually the same things. It's usually a, I can't do this. I'm too fill in something, too old for this. Uh, I'm going to look stupid. I don't know how to do this. Nobody's going to take me seriously. I don't have the credibility. All those voices in your head. And I once learned from a, a an absolutely genius, crazy man called Richard Bandler, who's one of the founders of NLP. He talks about uh, sock puppets. He goes, the voices in your head, they're like, these little, meh, 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 you can't do it. Meh, meh. And he says, once you start seeing them that way, and you add like a fake mustache and a silly hat, they, they actually look a bit stupid and they're a bit silly. And his whole thing was like, give, give him a, give him an accent, you know, go like, ah, oh, this is stupid. And I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you give him a different voice and they sound a bit silly, but we all have these voices in our heads and those voices are stopping us. But everybody else has those voices. So while you think people are paying attention to you, they're not, they're paying attention to their own little choir of socks yeah. in their head. So that's the first one, kind of realizing that nobody cares. Uh, and when somebody says, well, what if I put out a video and it completely bombs, I look stupid. And I always tell them, nobody's going to watch your stuff anyway. <laughs> 
And then they get very disheartened. They go like, well, I thought you're supposed to motivate me. And it's like, I'm not, first of all, I'm not here to motivate you. I'm just letting you know that nobody cares. So, so do it anyway, because if content is good, people will pick up on it. The flip side of it is, let's say you put out 20, 30, 40, 50 videos, articles, whatever you want to put out there. And, you know, just, just tumbleweed, nothing happens in the beginning. Mm. Well, maybe by the time somebody does pick up on your ideas or your musings or uh, by the time you, you, you'll probably be a lot better. You probably already know how to edit. You're probably more uh, articulate. You speak yeah. better. So why does not give it a go anyway? Because you're going to have to go through that anyway. So it, it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can, you can start in a year from now. You can just start now. Now is a good a time as any, any other time. You might as well do now. Good advice. Let's I'm get sure. started. I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later when we answer the question. Um, about advice and stuff. Yuri, tell me about, so obviously I, I've seen a lot of your videos and I guess some people who are watching and listening to this may not have done, but they are very well put together. And from an outside perspective, I suspect it takes quite a lot of work to come up with the ideas. So I'm really curious about your, you know, your brainstorming and ideation process and what takes from that first thought to then getting it live. Interesting. Thank you for asking me that because um, for the longest time, I didn't really have a process. I, of course I do. I don't have a very deliberate process. I think okay. there's a lot of things that go into my mind, which I think are normal, <laughs> which might, might not be. I do these things natural because I work as what I like to call an innovation guy. So typically work with big business around the innovation challenges. They want to either solve a problem. They want to rethink a future uh, come up with a new proposition, bring it out in their people, but something that has to do with creating new value. Yeah. So I do that naturally in my work. There's tools that I have, which I don't really apply to myself. And maybe it's because they're just so, they're so part of me. I don't think about them. I think that I, I suspect that's what's going on, but I've gotten more structured in how I do these things. So first of all, how do I come up with the topics? I find that incredibly easy. You and I have had this conversation where you said, well, sometimes it's very hard to come up with topics. I don't find that at all. It is so easy to come up with topics nowadays. I have lots of conversations with lots of people and they ask questions and I keep track of those questions. Every question, however simple, is a prompt for um, a reaction, some kind of content you could create. Now, whether the content fits within the brand of what you want to do, we could talk about that later. But if in my world, if it's anything to do with innovation, growth, breaking the rules, stepping into new territory, how do you pitch ideas? How do you build a business model behind something that's new and different? Yep. Anything that kind of sits within that word cloud, uh, any questions I see interesting. You can go on Quora. You can see what people say there. Uh, lots of reading, but also lots of anecdotal things of having run over 100 projects, just remembering things that happen and using that as a bit of a prompt. So coming up with the actual... Uh, topics and questions and ideas to me is super easy. Therein also lies the problem because it is very easy for me to quickly come up with a whole bunch of ideas yep. and then keep going for more ideas. What I should just do is just go, let's just take one and then work this one up. Because I would tell my clients the same thing. I always tell them, you don't need a million ideas. You need a, you need a handful you can go and test. So the trick there is to go a couple and just pick one. So what I do now is I have a, an Excel cheat which I keep track of all the videos with maybe maybe a bit of a note or a blurb or an example behind it. Yep. And I just I just pick them. And then very often what will happen, like right now, 
yesterday I read something which is kind of trending now. I go, I need to, I need to jump on that one for two reasons. One, because it's happening now and it's exciting. Two, jumping on popular trends will help you um, get your message out. Think about all the hot topics that are going on right now and you create content around that one. Yep. There's, a, there's a bigger chance of people, people seeing it. And then it's a matter of uh, what I did before was I would take a big piece of paper, basically have a, uh, it's like a cardboard box of one here, uh, not a box, a cardboard, um, uh, yeah, they call it like a, like a foam board, basically. And yep. I put a couple of post-its on there, just like, like prompts, but just with a couple of words. A post-it And guy. I would, yeah, I'm a post-it guy, totally post-it guy. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching uh, people of 3M, uh, still looking for sponsors for the channel. <laughs> but what I would do is I would have a couple of post-its with just a couple of prompts and a couple of words, and I would riff around those, which worked for a long time, but they would take, a, they would take editing would take longer because I would have long, more footage. I would waffle on a bit more. I would have more words. Uh, to make a point, what would often happen is I would I would repeat myself a couple of times yeah. because I'm more on the fly. What I do now is I write a script um, and I cut out uh, noise. I just cut out all the fat and just make it super crisp. And while I'm recording it, I might still add a little bit left and right, but at least I've got a script there, and that's really helped me because that made uh, you know my recording. I used to have let's say two hours of footage. <laughs> which then whittled down to a six-minute video. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of extra uh, weight, which you don't need. Yep. And now with a bit of scripting and thinking that through a bit better, already having an idea what's the thumbnail, that little picture you see on YouTube for what you click on or not. I already have the thumbnail. I already have the title. I know what the video is about. I know why I'm doing this, why it's interesting for my audience. Only then will I record a video, which is, I'm still getting used to the process, but it's it's cut my recording time down from two hours to 15 minutes, maybe something like that. So much faster. Oh. And that, that's kind of how I do it. And then once it gets, once there's a video, then it's finding the right time to upload uh, a little bit of a description under the video, maybe some keyword, keyword tagging, uh, putting the title in there. There's, it's a lot of work. So uh, the way I say it is, it's roughly three hours a minute. So a five minute video will have taken me about 15 hours. And my editing is quite heavy. If you yep. see long form content of let's say podcasts, it's usually a bit lighter. It's just like a 45 minute footage with not too many things. My videos are heavily edited. Do I need to do that? Uh, no. Uh, did I need to style my hair today? No, but I like doing it. So <laughs> it's it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same with those things, you know. Make it. I'm, I'm, I like I like the stuff I put out there. Which, by the way, completely tangential point. Somebody told me that the other day that you you shouldn't like your own stuff, as in that's self-indulgent if you you know you like your own joke your own gag or something which you know the dutch are a bit like that as well i don't think i don't think we're that uh on the surface humble as brits for instance i think the dutch are a bit more i wouldn't say confident but maybe a bit more outspoken about things but even that in our culture like you shouldn't like your own stuff but you want to be proud that's of that, it though right true but it's it's too it's too easy to then go to, to for that to be seen as arrogance and i don't think so i i like my videos i put stuff out there and i see the things i've edited i'm like that looks really cool yeah. so why not because if i don't like it then why would anybody else you know that's kind of how i look at it now not that i watch my own videos on loop but while i'm <laughs> recording it of course i'm going through my own video several times i know every angle of that video because I'm, I'm cutting it i'm adding uh, colors to it i'm putting text overlays sounds i can spend chris i can spend two hours looking 
for that one sound of a cat. So I'll have like a little 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 pun in there about cats. And then I'm looking for a meow. And I've got a database called Epidemic Sound. Maybe we get to tools later on. Yep. Epidemic Sound is just, you can, it, it's a subscription model. You sign up, costs a bit of money per year. You have all kinds of music, worlds of free music, sounds. But they might have 147 cat sounds on there. And I'll spend like an hour and a half just finding that one sound. I'm going to get yeah, that one sounds cool. Does that need a level of um, uh, obsession? I think so. But I, uh, I like it. And getting back to my original point, that's what this did for me. It was a great way to turn that distraction and 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 the sadness and the pain and the confusion into a bit of focus, which yeah. uh, which is genius. And and then, and then I'll I'll, st- I'll stop talking about this. But the coolest thing about all that whole process, because you asked me about process going into this, yeah. The coolest thing about it is, I think everybody should make something. Whether that's designing T-shirts or pottery or something, I think everybody should make something. Coding, I don't care. Because the nice thing about making something is I think many people are in jobs where they don't really see what they contribute. They're in yep. a job, a bit of a you know a cog in a wheel, a cog wheel in a, in a bigger system. When you make something for yourself, at some point you've you've created something, however small that is. Maybe you hand paint straws. Maybe you. I don't know, like you make you make something and it's so satisfying to know that you put something, it's now out into the world. And yeah. it's out for the, for, the, for the world to judge it and to, you know, give their opinion, which is cool, but it's, a, it's incredibly uh, satisfying. So here's my big tip to all of you watching this right now. Make something. Make something. Doesn't matter what it is, however big or <clears throat> small, makers are happier. That's what I think. I, just, I really agree with that. I, I, my wife laughs at me when, so I, I build something or a bit of DIY or something <clears throat> simple like I built a flower um, planter in the garden out of decking boards very simple right literally just screwing wood together but the amount of pride I had from that I was like this is awesome and I'd, like, I'd just stand there with my cup of coffee in the morning going oh, look at my look at my planter and yeah, I nice. agree with you I think it's, it's nice to put in some work and actually have an end product I think it's, it's kind of cool yeah I agree um, so go make something. Anybody out there right now, look to, after this, after you finish this episode, listen to a couple of other episodes by Chris, but then go make something this weekend, <laughs> however small it is. You'll thank me later. You will. Let's talk about, so we've talked a little bit about process, but let's talk about systems and tools and stuff because you mentioned it. I want to ask you one quick question about your processes before you talk about uh, and answer the question probably because it's something I've noticed you do and I'm kind of curious why you do it and what you achieve from it. So every time you put out a video, you have you set it up as a premiere, which means I get a notice I'm subscribed to you and I get the notification bells and I then get notifications like, oh, Yuri set a video up in eight hours, it's going live and whatever. I'm curious why you do that and what you've seen as a result or have you seen a result or is it a test? I don't know, but it, it, it intrigues me. It is a bit of a test. So... To iterate that again, Premiere. So I upload a video onto YouTube. I can set it as a Premiere. So for the uh, for the people watching and listening to this. So imagine I have a, a video uploaded to YouTube. I can publish it right away or I can set it as a Premiere. So I can schedule it going live tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., for instance. Yeah. It's called a Premiere. So when I do that and, and, and Chris on his page all of a sudden sees Yuri at the Magic Sauce <clears throat> has a new video about penguins coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m 
Um, and then there's a little button on there that says notify me. So Chris can go, yeah, okay, I want to watch. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Mm-hmm. You can click on it. What that does, I am testing a bit, but what that does is it, it creates a bit of early engagement. It gives people something to look forward to. It's an easy way to show that you're about to launch something. It would be the same as, you know, we're, we're having a soft opening to our flower bed shop on Saturday. I mean, it would be kind of the same thing. You're well, creating a bit of a bit of a buzz before. And it all, or I mean, like, you know, the big movies do it with trailers, right? It's the same, similar principle, I guess. But I guess the reason I was asking is because I don't see many YouTubers do it. Oh, I know, I'm a, I know many do it. It's it's more for lives. I think people do it for live sessions more where they want people to join. Okay. So, uh, you know, Ten Q podcast is going live tomorrow. You know, sign up and join, join the chat, join the conversation. I see it more for longer form videos, but I'm I'm just testing and seeing how it goes. Okay. Uh, and I've noticed that people uh, people like it. People do get a notification saying that this video by this person is going to be live then. And it gives an opportunity to put it in their calendar because you will get an invite in your if you're if you're signed in, you get an invite in your inbox saying, yep. you know, uh, Chris's okay. video is about to go live in 15 minutes or in an hour. And that really helps. I think it's just a uh, early engagement, getting on people's radar, inviting people um, to to your new video. And it gets people excited because they can see the, the thumbnail already. So you use your thumbnail, that little image, as something to uh, to entice people to join like yeah. that should be good reason for people to go oh, i want to watch i want to watch what that's all about okay i guess as well i mean in the world of algorithms that we live in i wonder and maybe you know one way or the other but i wonder if youtube it's like an amazon book launch isn't it when people pre-order um pre-order the books and as a result then amazon gives it more weight in its algorithm to then promote yeah. it or whatever yeah I guess it's potentially similar in YouTube. I don't know. That's possible. I think we we don't have that much uh, insight in how the algorithms work exactly. Uh, I think YouTube gives away a lot more data and a lot more information about how they do things and how the what the algorithm is looking for and what it does and what it doesn't. And by the way, the algorithm isn't some 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 evil monster that is out to like suppress your videos. If you are creating content and you're going, nobody's watching my videos, well, probably your video wasn't that good or your thumbnail wasn't that good or your title. So, um, but it's giving, YouTube gives a lot of information and they set you up for success, which is what I absolutely love about YouTube. That's why I still think it's probably the best platform for a business to set up. They have pretty fair pay compared to others. I think they're a lot more transparent and they give you the tools for free for you to be better because that helps them. If my videos do really well, well, that's going to help them with the ad dollars and stuff. So it's a a smart model. If you look at a platform like LinkedIn, gives you nothing. LinkedIn will tell you, you know, 29 people from the recruitment industry have looked at your profile. You know, somebody in sales has looked at your profile. Who gives a toss? Like, I don't care about that. Now, LinkedIn wants you to pay for that. Uh, maybe there's something to say for that, but I like that about uh, about YouTube that they give you that information. So who knows? Maybe the premieres work, maybe they don't work. It's uh, it's the other great thing about doing this. If you're into that, it's tweaking. There, it's it's <laughs> like it's like one massive Tested science yep. project where you you 
your your okay let's try this right that didn't really work let's try uploading at a different time let's try a longer video what if i did my introduction like this or what if my thumbnail looked like that there's a million different levers you can play that's why i said it's not an easy game which by the way if you are listening to this or watching this and you are thinking of going on youtube let me give you this one then the reason it's so hard so first of all people have their own inhibitions as in i can't do this then yep. two um there's it's a lot of work it's a lot of work. You need gear for this. Now, granted, phone's enough. Like, and you, you don't need fancy cameras and stuff like that. It helps, sure, but your phone's enough. Yeah. Um, editing is very complex. Like I said, there's all these things that actually make it quite difficult. Uh, and therefore, most people won't keep up with it anyway. So if you do step into the game and you find a way to enjoy it, it is hard work, but if you find a way to enjoy it, if you keep at it and you keep trying you will succeed. Now, what that success means, of course, is different to different people, but you will learn, you will grow. It doesn't mean you're going to get 10 million subscribers or 100 million like PewDiePie or Mr. Beast. Maybe not, but maybe that's not what you need. Yep. But it, because it's hard work, that's it. it's not easy. The best things in life are actually quite hard. You know that phrase, like the best things in life are free? No, the best things in life are actually pretty hard to get. Uh, but, you, but you can go for it. You, know, you, can, you can gun for it. Why not? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, wouldn't they? Oh, exactly. That's why you have TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I kind of, it was my fault, but we skirted around the processes and systems question. And I know you sort of vaguely talked about your processes with your script a, a minute ago, but is there anything else, any sort of specific tools? I know you mentioned Epidemic Sound, uh, tools, apps, people you may have brought in to help you with certain things. Okay. So, now, keep in mind, I've been doing this for a while. So over the years, I've invested in more. So when I got started, I bought a second-hand camera with a second-hand lens, uh, a simple shotgun microphone, so one that sits on top, one of those cigars that points at your face, mm -hmm. and a little tripod. That's how I got started. And I did everything with that and, and a laptop. Even if you just have your phone, and all you have is your phone, a Samsung, an iPhone, whatever it is, you can do all that stuff. It's got a microphone. You can edit on it and everything. So I want to be very clear about that one. Now, when you go forward, you start investing in things. You would do the same as a business. You either start investing in people, in hardware, software. Same for me. So a couple of things that I use. Um, first of all, I already talked about kind of the, the hardware around kind of mics and stuff. But software-wise, I use um, a, a place for my B-roll. So let's say I'm looking for a bit of footage, just a three second, I make a little uh, reference to a penguin and I want like a three second clip of a penguin kind of, <laughs> I love penguins by the way, for people watching. penguins. I love penguins. If, 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 if somebody goes like, give me a random word, I'll probably say penguins. But let's say I want to have a three second clip of a penguin waddling around, walking around. Um, then I would go for, I use story blocks. It's one oh, of the other that, ones yeah. called Envato is another one. There are a couple of places, but I, I use Storyblocks. There's heaps of B-roll in there. So I might be looking for somebody who looks confused. Or I might be looking for something that represents... Um, if you look about like speed of growth in a business, I might just look for a bit of footage of like the, the, the Shinkansen train in Japan, like the, the bullet train flying by. Yeah. So I use kind of metaphors for things and I find footage. So Storyblocks is one. I use Epidemic Sound for music. For the people out there, if you are going to monetize your content, when I say monetize, for instance, there's little ads I run at the beginning, at the ending of my videos. So I get a bit of monetization money. Just so you know, it's not much. I get between $15 and $100 a month. So it's really not that much money. But 
at scale, of course, longer uh, over time that can that can add up. If you want to be monetized, you cannot have copyrighted music. If I want to play the latest Foo Fighters track, um, uh, you know, or the latest The Weeknd or something in my video, it will get demonetized really quickly, and I'll probably get a copyright strike against me. So that's why it's important to find uh, copyright-free, royalty-free music. I use Epidemic Sound for that. I often just use Pexels. Pexels is free images. Now I've got free footage, free, uh, well, not free music, but royalty-free music, royalty-free footage, and free images, royalty-free images. And then recently I've been playing with editors. I've given a couple of editors a video with minimal instructions and kind of go, look at some of the other videos. I'll pay you for your time, even for the sample. Look at some of the videos. Uh, here's a bit of a brand guide. Here are the fonts I use. Here are the four colors I use. This is kind of the style. Have a go. And uh, yesterday I made an offer to one of those. So I'll be having an editor to do a lot of the heavy lifting because I want to create more content. I want to go back to the podcast, sharing a lot more content. Yep. And the reality is I'm just, for five years, I've just been doing 100% by myself. And what that means is just ask ask my girlfriend, it's like evenings and weekends and, <laughs> you know, when other people go out, I'll be sitting there looking for cat sounds on my, you know, on my computer, which I enjoy doing, but it's just a lot of work. And I think now it's time to up the game a bit. Uh, and that means uh, investing. Do you think it's important that you went through that four or five year <clears throat> journey to now when you're trying to hire an editor, that you also sort of understand what they're doing or what you need to ask them or brief them in? I think it is uh, crucial even yeah. because there's something I learned from my mom and my dad. I'm from a uh, family who were self-employed at home. We had our own family business. And mom and dad always told me the same, like before, you know, before we hire somebody that an import export company, but before we hire somebody to drive our forklifts, you know, we need to do it ourselves. We need to know what that is. So they did all the work themselves and therefore having a lot more, not only empathy, but just understanding. And it, it makes communication a lot easier. Yeah. So I think it is crucial. I don't think you have to be as good as them. That's why you hire people. At one point, you hire people, I think so, at least for me, who are better than you. I, I, I want this, my new editor, Paige, if you're watching this, what's up? I want her to add stuff to yeah. what I do. And I want her to be better at things and that's why it's it's really important to first understand it yourself because then you can kind of you understand the process. It helps you communicate to other people and appreciate it a lot more as well. Uh, also, with things like lighting, lighting is a great example. Oh, it got really dark really quickly. It did get dark then. <laughs> so, so, so this is what we call Dutch weather, people. Let me just uh, adjust the camera here for a little bit. See, we just do this live. Uh, also, the other one is if you. I guess it goes back here. to your point about the cat sounds, right? If you know that potentially you could spend, and I know it's an extreme example and you're joking a little bit, but if you know that it takes an hour and a half to find that perfect cat sound, then you have to know that when your editor is looking for the same thing, it could potentially take them that long, right? Uh, so well, that's you, one for sure. Yeah, but yeah. if you turn around to them and say, oh, I want this video back in 20 minutes because you don't know how it works, then... That's unrealistic and it's not going to be great. But obviously knowing how it works, you can <clears throat> be me, be more realistic in your request with them, can't you? That that definitely helps with just empathizing and understanding and planning so you understand how long things take. Hey, and, mate, I've had this with clients where they go, but it's only, uh, you know, it's only yeah. like three sketches or it's only a, a two-minute video. And like, yep. You know, that was like three days of shooting. So it takes a lot longer. 
but more importantly, I was just going to say before the light drastically changed, I was going to say something about lighting. So maybe it's a sign. <laughs> lighting was genius. So when I first got started, I didn't. Now I've got a studio light over here, and I've got all these clever kind. We call them LED or RGB lights. You yeah. know, you can change the different colors. Fairly inexpensive. Um, in the beginning, I didn't have any of that, so I just used natural light. Now the problem with natural light is, as you could just see, the moment that clouds roll in. Um, the light changes, everything kind of changes, which is a bit annoying. So in the beginning, I started playing with lights. Now, I, I bought a light kit, like a studio light kit, but the cheapest version. <laughs> so something called three-point lighting. In any studio, you have kind of, if, if, if you're here, if you're watching this on video, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm basically pointing a different direction. But you have three kind of lights around you. It's called three-point lighting. So one is kind of slightly above you, behind you, and then one in front of you, one more to one side. I looked at videos about how to do this and I, I got these lights in. It has it is a big light box with kind of this white sheet in front of them and etc. And I set it all up and I recorded it. And I and, and I I swear that video looked like I got captured by a terrorist cell and I had to read out a ransom <laughs> note. It was so incredibly poorly lit. Also, I lived in Singapore, so I was like a bit sweaty. So you could see kind of a my sweaty forehead. It was a massive you know, kind of shadow cast on the wall behind. It looked it looked horrible. Hmm. But was anything wrong with the lights? No, I just didn't know how to use them, which is the same with any kind of technology. Yeah. So I started playing around with things. I started trying things. Okay, so it's, the light's way too bright. What if I just take out two bulbs? There were four massive bulbs in each light box. So I take out two. Uh, okay, still very bright. Let's put a let's let's hang a towel over it. Let's try to diffuse it a bit. Let's bounce it against the wall. And just by playing around with things like you know this cheap IKEA kind of desk lamps you know i don't really see this like one of these lamps you know i got exactly the same one over here <laughs> oh so the, the most for people listening to this the most famous uh, lamp the pixar lamp basically that's what it looks yeah, like yeah that's it yeah it's, it looks a bit like that by by playing around with things by being scrappy i like to call that scrappy activity scrappy creativity by playing around with things and trying to figure out what's working what's not i learned so much about lighting so a bit of youtube watching a little of tinkering and playing there's a great dutch word for people um who don't speak dutch called cloya and cloya basically means mucking around mucking about and that is so important in this you have to play with things you have to tinker and because i went through this now when i bought this is a professional studio light here's a very famous one it's an aperture 120d a lot of studios have this one these big domes looks like an umbrella because I learned all that stuff about lighting, I now understand how to use lights like this. So I can probably walk into any studio and understand the basics. I'm not a lighting professional, clearly, but I will know enough to make that work. And I, I would not have gotten that if I hadn't gone through the pain myself. And I think yeah. it's the same on all these other levels as well. Just because I figured out how to do transitions in video, I understand how that works when my editor does them as well. Yeah. And, that's, and therefore, I think it's, it's really important. And we'll help you in the creative process as well because you understand how things are made uh, and therefore you can uh, make better suggestions. Indeed. Let's move on and talk about goals. So I'm actually, Gold? Gold. Gold. It is gold. I kind of actually just suddenly thought about it aware. I'm not sure we've even named your channel. You've, you've vaguely mentioned it earlier, but so your channel is called The Magic Source. Yes. It talks about innovation, talks about entrepreneur, talks about Business growth, creativity, creativity. Yeah. And it is a very, very good watch. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show today, but it's a great watch. <laughs> it is. I like, I mean, I'm going to share, I, I can't remember if it's, it's on, it's live, right? The Lego video you did. 
Lego ones are not on another one. For people who don't know, did you share that with me? Did you share that with me separately? I I shared it with you. It's on a different channel. I uh, for the people uh, for the people here. I I'm I'm quite unemployable. I think that's uh, it's probably good good way to to say it. It's not because I'm difficult. I think I've been doing my own thing for way too long. And even when I was eight, nine, ten years old, my dad already said you should never work for somebody else, and he was right. So what happened was uh, there's a couple of jobs. And companies where I've always thought if if an opening uh, happens there, if I if I get a way in, I would love to work for these guys. And there's not many, and there's many great companies out there. I just think for me, there's only a couple. Yeah. And uh, and I saw an application for the head of innovation at Lego, and and I love Lego. First of all, grew up with it, but also just the company what they stand for. I thought it was genius. Um, and I knew it was going to be a bit of a risk because. Let's be fair. Lego is a very, uh, very strong culture, long legacy. It's unlikely they will bring in an outsider for a senior role like that. And I kind of knew that, but hey, you know, if you don't know you, if you, if you don't shoot, you, you'll, you'll always miss kind of thing. Yeah. So I put together this. Uh, I was going to apply for the job on the site, and it's like an SAP, one of these boring kind of recruitment systems. Which, by the way, if people from Lego are watching this, it is a bit embarrassing that for such a cool company, you've got such a an unpersonal SAP system there, which does not represent your brand. But anyway, uh, I had to upload my CV and my cover letter. And just as I, because I just heard about the role on a Wednesday and I was like, okay, I've got time on Friday. I'm just going to upload uh, a little, my CV and a little, um, and I had a little video attached about kind of, hey, my name is this and here's why I want to roll. And I missed the deadline. So I, I logged on and it was, you can no longer apply for this role the error code. I was like, no. So I then I then added a bit to the video at the end of me uploading the thing and it kind of not working. And it turned into like a, a two minute, uh, you know, kind of an engaging, kind of fun, lighthearted. Uh, very, it, it's good for Lego. I don't think Merrill Lynch would have appreciated this, uh, you know, or the Royal Royal Sun Alliance maybe, but, you know, at least, at least Lego, I thought it would be fun. It was very kind of playful and it was all about learning and about why me, and I uploaded that video, which tells the story of me applying and then at the end kind of going, but I couldn't apply because your system didn't allow me to upload. I started sharing it on social. And a friend of mine was always said, well, actually, I know some people very high up, like they're responsible for people and talent within Lego. Do you want me to share your video? And I did. And everybody started um, on LinkedIn and on other platforms. People started tagging the CEO, the CEO <laughs> on my video. And I got on their, I got on their radar. And somebody, I had a chat with somebody from Lego who said, look, would you like to have a chat about the role? He said, I'm not the hiring manager, but I would love to chat to you about this. And um, I said, I'd love to. And he goes, um, that, was a, that, was a, that was a bit of a ballsy move to put that out there. Is it, the, the video is live somewhere. I've seen it, right? So I'm assuming, it, I don't know if you shared it with me directly, but is it live somewhere? I can link to it in the show notes. It's it's not live anywhere. It's on a different channel, but I can I can see if I can dig it up. I'll I'll, I'll put it. I'll give, I'll send you a link for here on the video. Just, you can watch it. It's just unbelievably cool, and I think it it got their attention. That's all I wanted. So video, by the way, great tool to get people's yeah. attention. It's not for everybody. It's not for every occasion, but it's a great way to do this. And it stood out from the pile of you know, uh, I hereby apply for the role of ABC in your business PDF files, which they got so. Well, do you know what, as well, I had a, a previous guest on Tenku Interview. He used to use video as his outreach thing on LinkedIn. So where, whereas you're on LinkedIn, everyone's getting this whole, you know, these cold e- email messages, like blah, 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 I love your content, want to do this, blah, blah. 
he used to like record a little 30 second one minute video for them yeah do the same um and he said the same thing he said it stands out it um it it gets that connection there quickly and he, i can't remember what number so i'm just like three or four clients or something he reckons he's got off the back of doing it but yes video is powerful i i think it's super powerful and and anybody can use it because we all have i don't do this Oh yeah, I mean we've all got like a four four K camera in our pockets, right? For, yeah, we do. Um, for the people watching, uh, my light is all over the place because we're in the Netherlands. That means we have sun, cloud, sun, like in the UK, Chris. No, but see, I have I've got a blackout curtain on my on my. Yes, door. I uh, I should have done that, but here it's on the ceiling. It's a uh, skylight, as people call that. Um, so anyway, so that video was hilarious, and for the people uh, you know following this story, I didn't get the job. Um, I was considered. I didn't get the job, but I, did, I, I got the conversation, which is kind of all that I wanted in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so I was uh, I was very uh, very very happy with that. I was very happy with that. It did it did what it needed to do. Um, and it was a genius way of of using the skills that I had acquired to stand out. And that's at the end of the day, that's kind of what we do with clients as well. We help them stand out a bit and stay ahead of the competition, stay ahead of their uh, of the market. It, it was incredibly good, and if I can link to it below, I will do. Let's talk about goals. What are the goals with the Magic Source YouTube channel? Do you have a goal? Oh, I definitely have a goal. So subscribers don't mean that much anymore. And the reason that is because 10 years ago, if you were subscribed to a channel, so let's say I'm subscribed to Chris's 10Q um, show, 10Q podcast. That means that every time Chris, if I'm subscribed, every time Chris puts out a new video, I will get a notification. Yeah. Uh, that's what subscribers did in the past. It doesn't work like that anymore because your homepage on YouTube will just show you stuff based on what you've been watching. I would so we'll encourage you stuff. to turn on the notification bell though, Yuri. That definitely helps, but not as much as it did in the past anymore either. Okay. So subscribers don't mean that much anymore. I do want a bunch of subscribers because uh, first of all, at 10,000 subscribers, which I'm almost at, I can start doing merch and I've got some great <laughs> ideas for super cool Magic Sauce shirts and caps because I like caps and shirts. Anybody watching my videos knows I like hoodies and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that. Uh, one of my designers is already waiting to go like, is I that, have some designs ready. Is that the some rule? Cool Once you hit 10,000, is that a rule by YouTube? No, but you, you can have, I think it's called... Um, uh, called tea inkers now what are they called uh i forgot the name basically they have a they have a partner there yeah uh, once you get to ten thousand subscribers you can have your merch built in on the page oh uh, okay so of course i could do merch now i can just add a link yeah but it's, um, it's like built into the youtube yes your magic source page I've, i forgot what it is but if you go to let's say mr beast's page you'll see mr beast's swag like shirts oh, and stuff okay. underneath branded stuff um What's the company? I was going to say the Tea Inkers. It's not the Tea Inkers. It's a, basically it's a company that it's it's kind of like fulfillment by Amazon, you know, print on demand kind of things. Okay. But that that's one. So my first goal is to uh, you know I, I want to subscribe so I can do the swag. Um, I just want to reach more. I just want to reach more people, and it's not because of vanity metric. It's more because I think a lot of the things that I share which are all about how do you create, build, and share better ideas because at the end of the day, that's what innovation is. Yep. 
you, you, you generate something, you come up with something that's kind of the creative part of it. Then once you have a bit of a half-baked idea, you got to build on it because now you need a level of creative thi- of uh, critical thinking, you need a level of work, you need to polish it, you need to challenge it, you need to test it. That's the building part. And then, oh, cool, now you've got something. You've got a, a business model, you have a product, you have a, a service. How do you then take that out into the world? Those are kind of the three things we focus on yep. from kind of the beginning, from from a brief to an idea and then from that idea testing it and taking it out into the market i think more people could use that because i see so many particularly business overcomplicating it getting big consultancies in with onerous processes that nobody understands and that nobody really can do anything with and therefore there's a lot of talk but nothing happens and i think very often it's this whole it's it's kind of the lean scrappy mindset of Let's quickly generate something and see what happens, which is, by the way, exactly what YouTubers do with their YouTube content. They're constantly tweaking. They're throwing something out there. They're putting out it. Some, some will bomb, some won't. Hopefully, they can learn from that with listening, listening to what their audience says, looking at analytics. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of those kind of things more people can use because I think a lot of people are wasting their time so, um, overcomplicating things. That's why I wanted to reach more people, make the world a better place. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. So, as a new creator, and you said about you, obviously no one cares and the rest of it. See, I, I, I put out some podcasts every now and again, and on the whole, the quality has been very good. Every now and again, there's little snippets or whole episodes, which I just think are insanely good. And like you, I just want people to see them because I know that if certain people see them, it will provide immense value to them, right? Yes. But then, and I don't get bogged down in the analytics, but then you look at the analytics, it's like, oh, 100 people downloaded it. Like, you're like, God, I wish, I just wish 10,000 people would see it because I know sure. how valuable it is. But how do you sort of yeah, marry, up, I... marry up that getting over that hurdle? Or th- there's nothing you can do, right? Or is there? Well, there is. So there's a couple of things. First, first of all, um, the kind of the views, how many views you get on stuff doesn't really matter that much. I think too many people are too hung up on views. Okay. I, I would much rather um, have 100 people viewing something who go, oh, that was really interesting. I want to share that with somebody. Then 10,000 people. You look at a lot of social platforms, they'll, they'll, they'll like stuff. They'll click on stuff. they say, oh, nice. Thanks for sharing, Chris. Yep. And then that's it. I would much rather have a smaller, more engaged audience. Not only because then you can see it actually has impact, even if it has impact on a few people. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it is much more, it's a much more manageable uh, group to communicate with. You can get to know them a bit more because... Your true fans, the couple of people who really like what you do, they will engage with you. You can ask them questions. You can say, so what was working about this? And what, what did you like about this? What didn't like? What didn't you like about this? Yep. They will become your super fans. And there's a, there's a famous article or book. Just look it up. I think it's called Thousand Super Kevin, Fans. Kevin Kelly. Basically saying, oh, Kevin Kelly, that's right. Yep. All you need is a thousand super fans. So first of all, get over the numbers. Uh, those numbers will come. I've had people say in the past you deserve a lot more viewers or subscribers. And I always respond with, I have exactly the amount of subscribers and viewers as I deserve. Because I don't believe in deserving. I think you've got to work for it. 
and that will come over time. You keep creating good content out there. You keep listening to what people kind of like you, 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 you do your best to improve with every video you put out there. Yep. Even if it's a bit of editing, you learn to speak a bit better. You waffle on a bit less with every video. You want to be a little bit better. Those numbers will go up. More people will take note of that. And I, I believe that the algorithm will also pick up on stuff. If they see that consistently for your small, let's say you got a YouTube channel, you got a hundred people, you know, it's just a couple of friends and a couple of randos on there. Yep. You got a hundred people. But of those hundred people, 50% of them come back every week to watch your stuff that will get picked up because your engagement rate is still higher than somebody with a million people of who only a thousand people show up once in a while. Yeah. So you could say, I've got a million subscribers. Yeah, but you got 10% engagement. This one's a smaller channel of massive engagement. And the ones with the better engagements uh, will always grow. You can see that left and right. You can see, I can see how channels have blown up. There's channels that went from, oh, I remember when they had, you know, 10,000 subscribers, now they're at a million. Mm. A lot of them, I go, yeah, I understand why. They had that core of true fans. They 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 stayed consistent. They put stuff out there. They engaged. Uh, and that's why, they, uh, that's why they grew. On the shorts bit, can I just say something about the shorts? So short form content, and I'm talking about YouTube. So on Instagram, you have was it reels yep. and shorts. Reels and Instagram, Scott, yeah. Stories. Stories. It's basically everybody's answer to TikTok. So TikTok has been dominating the market controversial as tiktok is right now has been dominating the market everybody had to have their response everybody went for short form content short videos between 15 seconds to 60 seconds yeah. um some people love them some people hate them some people say it's stupid some people say whatever i think first of all we're very early days of short form content so we might as well just give it a go that's first and foremost i don't know where it's going to go yet i don't know how it's going to evolve so rather than resisting it, I've been creating shorts for about 18 months. I've drawn a couple of conclusions for me. Some absolutely bomb, some don't. I've taken a video that was kind of silence, <laughs> nothing happened, taken it down, re-uploaded it again three weeks later at a different time slot, and it took off. So it feels a bit like a like a bit like a slot machine every now and then. I've noticed that really highly produced ones, nicely framed, good color grading, perfect sound, captions titles versus ones that I've just clipped from an existing video in my app, which you can do in about five seconds. Yeah. Both of them perform the same for me. Uh, and the last one is the reason I love shorts is because I think they're a genius. And I mean, genius calling card. They're a genius way to connect with your audience, to give people a bit of a, a bit of a snippet of who you are and what you do. Again, I'm talking at, at, about this in the context of I have a business, so it helps me promote what I do. And last time, Chris, you and I talked, uh, we talked about know, like, and trust. Yep. And the whole principle behind that is for people to trust you and work with you, let's say you you do something, you want clients to buy your services, well, they have to trust you. For them to trust you, they have to like you. Because in general, if you don't like somebody, you don't really trust them. Yep. And for them to like you, they have to know you. So you can be the, the best person in your field. If nobody can find you, it's pointless. You're not going to get anything off the ground. And shorts, they're snippets where you can share a little tip, a little story, make somebody laugh, show an example. That these little things you can put out into the world, which are kind of cheap and cheerful, kind of simple to do. Yep. Um, 
which which can put a smile on people's face and can maybe give somebody something that they can um, they can do something with and that over time so people now over the years have gone you're the magic sauce innovation you're the magic sauce business creativity you're the magic sauce rule breaking kind of standing out well this again there's like a word cloud which i think is coming through with people and the reason i know it's working because there are two reasons one I got my first client in who just watched a couple of my videos and said, we like what you do. They don't know me, never work with me and gave me a big project, like a big meaty, chunky project based on my video content alone. Number two, the requests I'm getting are a lot more aligned with exactly what I do, which means I really think the content, what I've been putting out there is really helping solidify that or clarifying what I do. When in the past people come to me and say, whatever we want like photoshopping of an image or like logo design like that is not what i do at all even though it's creative yeah. that is not what i do and i think that is that is where these uh, where these shorts have really played a massive uh, massive role that am i correct in thinking as well i don't know if you've seen this to back this up or not but from a discoverability point of view it helps a lot because obviously these um platforms are trying to compete with the likes of tiktok and therefore giving reach to short form video that you might not necessarily get with your other content, i.e. your longer form, because they're trying to push it, right? I, I think so. I think you, you're definitely reaching a different audience. Also, again, I think they're really just, they're still trying. Shorts are still very new. Uh, I like watching shorts, by the way. It's, it's very... Um, very scrollable it's that kind of lazy scrolling it's like yeah. quick kind of you know and within about two seconds you go yep no no yes yes no 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 it's, it's pretty quick um only a few of them actually convert to other videos so i don't even bother i don't go like oh if you like my shorts you'll also like my longer form it's a different audience have you have it's the same this is it's the same reason why people when they're on instagram it doesn't work when you go hey join me on facebook no they're there on instagram to enjoy instagram instagram has a role in people's lives Facebook has a role in people's lives. So does YouTube. Yeah. And if you and if you're clear about what that role is, and you you make it easy for them there, and stick to the type of content that they're looking for, it can really help you. Um, it can really help you get out there. So, are you, are you driving subscribers or views to your longer form content from Shorts or not? Not at all. Okay. Not not as I can not that I can see. But my thinking is over time. So, by by buying um, virtual real estate, as they call it. Yeah. So by being on LinkedIn. So a couple of years ago, I would have said, pick one platform and stay there. Yeah. So where do you want to be? Do you want to be on LinkedIn? Is that where your audience is? Do you want to be on TikTok? It's cool. Now I'm a little bit more of, um, no, spread it a bit. I use shorts as an easy way. I share my YouTube shorts on Instagram. I upload them as a video on Instagram. Yeah. I don't expect people to go from Instagram to YouTube because, again, people are on Instagram because they are in a mood being Instagram. Yeah. However, I do know that if over time, again, people see my face, um, understand that my chat, the magic sauce, is all about helping business creatives and innovators be better, tools and skills to help you create, build, and share better ideas. Yeah. If that message keeps repeating over time it'll be easier for people to find you and we and this is where kind of the branding kind of comes in if you're kind of clear about what you do it's easier for people to connect you yeah um 
because if you don't understand what somebody does, if they're well, so what? What do you do, John? Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a lawyer, but I also like bake cookies over the weekend, and I'm trying to be a life coach and do this because that's what happens to a lot of people, yeah. uh, and they put it all on one platform. It's a mistake I've made. I put out content because. Um, I started listening too much to what people wanted and then I got pulled into different directions. So I did a bit of this, bit of that, bit of this. And it got very confusing because people were like, so so wait a minute. So do you are you like helping people create video storytelling content or are you like a consultancy agency or, or a design? Like which one is it? Yeah. And I've kind of picked a path and now I'm just hammering home that message over and over again. And we'll see. Like we'll, we'll talk in a couple of years and see whether that's paid off. But um, so far I'm seeing... Pretty good results from that. Not from the views, but just from, again, people who find me, how they find me, and what they ask me for. I think that in itself is uh, is proof that at least it's working for me. We we spoke, or you spoke briefly earlier about audience engagement, and I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Do you actively do it? Do you have a method to do it? Do you look for feedback? Do you want feedback? Have you been trolled? Audience engagement. So I love the audience engagement uh, because, first of all, I I, th- I think it's the right thing to do. Now, there's there's different there's different thinking around this one. I know, you know, if if, if you look at a massive channel, let's say Peter McKinnon, right? Peter McKinnon makes videos about video making and or now like travel and everything. Yep. But he started as as a kind of photographer, videographer, and stuff. He's so big, he does not have time to respond to the 25,000 comments that he gets on his videos, which I can completely understand. I'm not at that size. I mean, like my top video maybe has 200 comments and on average, maybe I get three comments. I always respond because my whole brand is about being as personable as possible. Yeah. Still being a still being a business professional, but I, I like the personal touch of things. That's why I like video. That's why I like sending videos, <clears throat> video messages, because it's a bit more personal. Um, my other side is I've had it. I'm thinking of a couple of people now. I won't name and shame them, but shame on these people who on the outside will say, engage with me, you know, connect with me, leave me a note and I'll reply. But then they never do. And I go, well, that's a bit of a shame because people do go to these places often because they know, like, and trust the person. And sure, it's about the content. I get that. But people do enjoy they want to interact with people i i was on a um, on a program about kind of passive income right with a with a community of people which was led by a well-known character in that world and i signed up because of that character it was not because it was the best community about building kind of passive income it's because this person was very well known i've been following this person for years yep. i like what they stood for now they were barely involved in the community which maybe for legitimate or illegitimate reasons. But I thought it was such a bummer. I'm like, well, we're kind of here because of you. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you have to respond to all my messages or whatever says, I'm not like claiming people's attention. But if you are out there saying, hey, connect with me, guys. I would love to hear from you guys in the comments below. Then respond. You know, don't be a dick. Then just take some time to do this. And Gary V says that he did that for years. I don't think he can anymore at at this scale. I get that. But when you still can, yes, engage. Now, like, who do you who do you engage with? Do you get any trolls? I have, um, I get trolls. Everybody gets trolls. Trolls, by the way, for the people out there. So people who just leave a comment. Do we, okay, here's how I describe a troll. A troll is somebody who leaves a comment on your content 
that adds zero value to your life or to the world yep. is just a, oh, you suck. You look stupid. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, it doesn't bother me at all. So I've never been, I've never been susceptible. Some people really struggle with trolls. I don't at all. I assume everybody on the internet is a 14-year-old insecure child. Yeah. So I start with I start with that. So and that's also how I respond. As I never respond angrily. So I'm like, nah, I respond. But I do always respond. Um, I've had a couple of videos where people think, for instance, the introduction is too long. I've got one particular video, which is a very specific video. And I think it's a video where people hop on, not because they follow me. It's a, what we like to call a search-heavy video. So people look for ways to make a flower bed yeah and if you then start with hey my name is chris and before we get into how i make a flower bed let me tell you about my new headphones i got here people go we don't need to know that chris i'm just here because i need i need to see how you make a flower bed <laughs> and that audience is often a lot more unforgiving they get on there and they'll talk about your introductions too long or we didn't like this or we didn't like that <laughs> So I had this video and everybody's like, uh, oh God, you know, waffles on for like three minutes. Finally, the video gets started. And I respond to all of them. And to some, uh, if there's a lot of vitriol from their side, I respond with a level of sarcasm. Um, there was one person that's like, oh my God, like a whole two minutes before you get to the main points. And I responded by saying something like, oh my God, are you okay? What if they know? Um, imagine there was something on YouTube with which you can scroll forward in a video or something like that, you know? Uh, but most of the time, I just go like, sorry, it wasn't for you. And just use your attention for the 100 people who do like coming there. So I respond to all of them. I think you should deal with trolls. Uh, I don't think you should ignore them. I think you should just go like, sorry, it wasn't for you. Uh, I better luck next time or something. I learned a phrase in a recording last week that I'd never heard before called hate watching and hate listening. You heard of that? No. And it's like pe me. people <laughs> people watch stuff because they dislike the person presenting it and they want to find them, see them slip up or see them talk about something they shouldn't. And I kind I'm of, sure that happens a lot I nowadays. I kind of find it really weird. Of course it's weird. And how sad is that? Yeah. It's... And I mean, look, we, we do live in a time where, uh, you know, without getting into, uh, uh, you know, without getting into any kind of, ideologies nowadays because it is a bit weird where people if they do, if they don't like somebody if they like somebody like everything about them there's no nuance anymore you have to agree with everything they say yeah. and if you don't like somebody you do the opposite so i think that's where the hate watching comes from i would just most of the time just ignore i usually just yeah when people do that i go, I go sorry it wasn't for you but i like i just look at it like how sad do you have to be to watch somebody's content um watch a five minute video then take five minutes to go, you know, you suck, you're stupid. <laughs> when you, you don't know anything about this. When those, and, and then and then post that. Like, how sad do you have to be to do that? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? When when those people said that about your intro, was there any part of you thought they were right? Yes, no, totally. So I'll, I'll take it, but there's a way to deliver it. I mean, if somebody has a car parked and, and you can't, you can't, whatever, somebody's parked in a, in a clumsy way. Yeah there's different ways of approaching that person. If somebody comes up to me right away, starts shouting in my face, I'm probably not going to have the same response as somebody going, hello, mate. Sorry, maybe you haven't noticed, but I'm trying to get that. Can you just move your car a bit? It's the same online. Yeah. So if somebody's going, hey, the introduction was very long. We didn't need that. I can then take that in and say, yeah, actually, that was a bit too long. I, I need to get to the point faster because there's, there's a lot of validity in there. I think the way people bring it is often a bit clumsy. 
But I absolutely go through the comments. I look at what people are saying and I hope I've improved. And I think, not even I think I've improved. I can see how I've improved, let's say, with speed uh, because of retention graph. So I can see when people click away. Yeah. There's a graph that comes out. And the graph before had a steeper decline, a bit of a bit of a slope going down, which means in the first 10 seconds, people click away. That could be for a bunch of reasons. That could be it wasn't what they expected. So they clicked on the video thinking it was A, it turned out to be B. Maybe they didn't like my voice, my face. Maybe after five seconds, they decided it's not interesting. There's a whole bunch of reasons, but you could see this. With my later videos, you don't have that steep, you don't have that steep decline that much. It's more flat. So I'm keeping people engaged much longer, much better. And with that, a lot of these comments kind of disappear. And also, look, with these kind of comments over time, maybe they're not your audience. Like, yeah. why would you worry about people who are not your audience anyway? It's like, oh, I, I, don't, I, don't like your, I don't like your product offering. Well, maybe you're not my client. I mean, you're not my customer. Who cares? I, have this, I sell stuff online. I'll tell you this way. It's hilarious. I sell stuff online. It's like an eBay kind of secondhand stuff yeah. in the Netherlands. I had, I think, a pair of sunglasses on there. And they're very expensive glasses. They're chrome hearts. If you know chrome hearts are there. A couple thousand bucks. Anyway, I had something on there uh, and I, I'm selling it for nothing. It's good as new, very maintained for like 40, no, not even like 25% of the price. So, in comparison, it's a really good deal. Yeah. Got somebody on there who wrote me an entire paragraph. It's like, uh, oh, you know, Jesus Christ, how dare you charge a price like that? That's just almost criminal. I would never buy something like this. You know, for that <laughs> money, I could buy 10. And it was just him going, telling me that he found my price out of whack. A guy called Hank, like the Dutch version of, you know, anyway. But, <laughs> but like, why do people do this? So if know. you don't want to buy it, then don't buy it. And so I, of course, replied with, thank you so much for that feedback. We are now revising our entire pricing strategy here on this uh, secondhand market platform app. People are strange, man. That's silly, but just, just, but just ignore. So yeah, I engage with everybody uh, who is, who's, who's kind, is, uh, kind intent. And I, I respond in a... Uh, I, I like to, uh, rather than just saying thanks for the comment, I like to give something that's useful, uh, something that's pertinent in, in that context, whatever they pointed out. I do the same thing on other platforms. When I respond to somebody's something on LinkedIn, I rarely say, cool. I would much rather than either maybe debate it, challenge it, but give add something to the conversation. So I like to engage, but I can also understand when people get bigger, yeah, maybe maybe they don't have the capacity um, nor, the, nor the bandwidth to do that anymore. So I'm, I, I can understand that. But I, while I still can, while I'm still a small, almost insignificant YouTuber, so if you guys leave a comment, I will reply people. I can tell you that one. It's a shame, isn't it, that there's a, obviously a crossover where the growth happens in part, not solely to, but in part to that audience engagement and whether it's like super fans who are sharing your content or the feedback they're giving you on your intro being too long or whatever it may be and then there comes that crossover point where it's just not feasible to manage the um the engagement process any longer yep well which is understandable but i, then, know, I understand well, it it's just a shame isn't it that it, it has to happen there's not there's not really a middle ground it is a shame. Well, I think a lot of people will have moderators, right? Proxy moderators. So once once Chris Hutchings' uh, 10K podcast becomes so big, you might have somebody to moderate on your behalf, right? So I can understand that. But what I what just what just irks me a little bit is people who pretend to be the super approachable person, 
and she's a bunch of bollocks because that's that's not what they are like at all. Mm. Like then 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 just say that you know. But don't playing the that, game though, aren't they? That's the problem. Yeah, maybe. But again, I'm 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 a bit simple that way. I like to be a bit more, uh, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit more real and what you see is what you authentic. get. I don't I don't know what that is. Yeah, kind of. I'm a bit I'm a bit simpler that way. Because when people meet me, because, you know, with my celebrity status, with all my fans, both of them, when they meet me, they realize that I'm basically exactly the same as I'm on my videos. Yeah. Which I feel really good about because I thought about that a while back. Imagine that you can't be yourself in your work setting or with your family, with your friends, how stressful that must be. And I know a lot of people are because... You know, we have different sides. You have you have a role of a partner, you have a role of a father, you have a role of an entrepreneur. You play different roles. So people are a bit more nuanced, a bit more situational. But mine are pretty consistent across the board, and they always have been. If you were to talk to my kindergarten or, or primary school teachers, they, they would not be surprised with kind of who I am now and what I do, mm. which uh, I think is because it's, it's the easiest role to play. I don't have to... Oh, man, I, I, have to get, I have to remember stories and it's just kind of me I talk about this a lot I think it's so much hard work that I am just far too lazy to do like I can't be bothered to be playing these different roles and because exactly like you said I mean how, how do you remember what you said to one person to then the next person yeah. and then I said like, oh I spoke to Yuri last week oh I'm going to have to speak to him again oh shit what did I like yeah, I haven't got time for that. But just, I feel like that's something you grow into. I don't know if that's something that when when one is younger, that you know, you're trying to find your identity and trying to find who you are. Of course, but hey, but, but even but even now, let's let's, let's talk about that a little bit because even now, uh, look, I am uh, kind of I am the way I am and unapologetically myself. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't grow, you can't learn, and find your identity. Even with the podcast, even with writing, you have to find a voice. Mm. Now, my voice is consistent and congruent with who I am. Uh, it's not necessarily a persona on video per se, but for instance, being more animated with your hands and people watching this and just moving my hands a bit more, yeah. it helps. It makes it a bit more personal. So I'm, I'm more aware of that. Now, if I were to do this face-to-face when I'm there with you, you would go, oh, this guy's got ADD or something. <laughs> Right, but on video because you're in a box on a small screen, you can do things to bring out your personality a bit more. You don't have to exaggerate it, but there's definitely a an a bit of an identity. I just don't think mine differs that much, so it's not like I'm here saying you know nobody cares and kind of do your own thing and you know hustle and and break the rules. And then outside, I'm like this the opposite of that. Yeah. That's not that's not my my case at all. And it comes out in every aspect of my life. Anybody who knows me a bit, so I, I I find it easy. And I hope for anybody watching this to find that as well. It's just a lot more peaceful. Agreed. You know, agreed. Just, just kind of accept that. It doesn't mean you you like oh I'm just being I'm just being uh, I'm just being a dick and I, that's just the way I am. No, you can change behavior. Yeah. <laughs> behavior you can change. But I hope for people that they they find some some comfort in themselves and understand that that. Uh, that is good enough to start with and then develop from there. Agreed, mate. Agreed. We're going to talk about analysis now. You you sort of mentioned a little bit about retention earlier and you mentioned earlier about how YouTube provides you with lots of tools and, and data to <clears throat> make yourself better, which in turn makes them better. How What does your analysis of your content look like? Do you see what's worked, what's not worked? Do you review it like in depth? I review 
a lot about analytics. So learning about analytics, to me, is one of the, the, the biggest keys to growing a channel. Okay. Or, or a business or anything like that. YouTube, for the people who don't know, YouTube gives you what they call a YouTube studio. They give you lots of data. They will have things like your audience. So, uh, for instance, I'll give you some stats. So, for my channel, my channel stats say that uh, almost 60% of my audience is female, which means 40% is male. The people subscribe, people they can see that about. Maybe somebody lied about their age or their gender or something yeah. like that, right? That's a little bit different. But I can see that 6% is female. Uh, 40% male, nice and binary. Thank you, YouTube. But also things like uh, where they are based. So I can see that there's a big audience in the US and in the Philippines and different countries. I can see what time they watch. Uh, I can see when people click away. So I can go back to a video and say, hmm, there was a steep drop off because f f whatever. The example I gave was too long. Yeah. So they give you lots of data. You can then compare videos. You can compare your last three videos with your first three videos and look at retention how long can you keep the can you keep the attention to other video yeah and if you get into the habit of frequently looking at those don't, don't have to um get too um, get too sucked into them because it can be a bit of a rabbit hole you start reading into everything but i think if you just keep a healthy track of things like that you can learn a lot about your performance because you know the whole if it uh, if you can measure it it can be uh managed because again it can be done with something what yeah, can, can be, be measured managed. can be managed yeah yeah can be measured can be managed and it's the same thing here and that data is uh i think crucial for if you want to grow your channel now in the beginning don't read into it too much uh, it's like um you need a bit of a data set over time to see any patterns i'll give you an example i'm wearing a sports watch by garmin let's say that the watch is new and i've only been tracking my sleep for seven days yeah I shouldn't draw too many conclusions from that, right? Because I go, oh my God, every time it's Thursday, I don't sleep well. It must be because it's Thursday. Where if I do it over six months or 12 months, I go, hey, wait a minute. Every time I go out drinking, I don't sleep as well or I sleep better or whatever it is. It only makes sense over time. Yep. YouTube analytics are the same. Once you have enough videos up there over time, you are going to see patterns. And the way I read analytics without getting super nerdy about it is literally with a cup of tea sitting back and just kind of just let it come over me kind of thing. Like not read into it with too much detail. I kind of go, hmm, I'd be interested to see how the first 24 hours of this video compared to the first 24 hours of that video. And can I see a pattern in there? And just over time, you'll start to see things which will be should be your big uh, kind of um, buoys in the, in the water you can steer around. So, so for those um, aspiring YouTube creators who are watching or listening to this, is there any particular analytics that they should be casually paying particular attention to, in your in your opinion? Yes, retention. Okay. Retention, retention, retention. How long you can keep your audience engaged on your video? Do they watch the entire video? Do they click away after a couple of seconds? I think retention and then session time, which is something a bit more complex. So if they go from one video to another one of your video, have you seen at the end of a YouTube video, they go, yep. hey, and if you enjoyed this video about Chris, you might want to enjoy that video about this person. Yep. If you keep people watching longer on your channel, it's called a session time. So let's say one session on your channel where I binge seven Chris Hutchings 10Q videos, yep. I might have a session time of an hour and a half, 
right? That session time is good. But to even get there, you need better retention. Yeah. Right? So how long people stay on a video, which leads into the question, how long should my video be? As long as it needs to be. If you can hold the attention for 12 minutes, awesome, do it. If you can get your point across in three minutes, people will love you for that. People don't have the same attention span. And it's, it's easy to blame it on attention span. The reality is we have better examples of how people can tell a complex thing in a couple of seconds. There's some, there's some great breakthroughs of the last so many years where people have been very clever taking something that's complex and making it very simple. Yep. Whether you agree with that or not, it doesn't matter. It's just that things have gotten short. So if you can make it shorter for people, if you just as long as it takes to get it across. So that's your retention time. Have you and the better just the better you do this? I'm sorry, I got like one last point Go because on. that's all connected to this one. Then the one before that. So we look at overall session time, yeah. How many videos they watch, how long they stay there. That depends on your retention, how long they stay on the video, because very often only at the last 20 seconds can you go now go watch this video. Yeah. You can't put that anywhere else in the video, by the way. You can only put it in the last 20 seconds. And then one step before that is your thumbnail and title because you can have the best video that's 12 minutes long that's been taken 100,000 hours to edit and you've got a whole funnel where they go from this video and then part B, part C to the story. But if nobody clicks on your video, all of that, what I just said, is completely irrelevant. Yeah. So three things. Learn to get better thumbnails because you are competing with people that have a team of 20 people designing one thumbnail yeah. like a Mr. Beast. You're, comparing, you're, you're competing with them. On that home screen, your thumbnail will be in there. So you get better thumbnails, which probably means learn Photoshop and stuff, better titles, and those things kind of hang together. So those will be the three metrics. How many people click on the on the, on the little icon and kind of get into the video? Yep. How long did it stay? And do they go from one video to the other one? That would be kind of my my uh, my top line ones. Have you, Sorry, I interrupted you before, Chris. No, no, I was, no, 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 I was interrupting you. I was going to say, have you, by looking at those three data points, have you made changes into the way you either produce or your your final edit? Like, was yes. it was there something you kept seeing in your retention chart? It's like, oh my god, I have to stop doing that, and then yes. you did stop doing it. Yes, very often when you begin, particularly for people who have a channel that is uh, connected to a business, so you're you're some kind of business persona. You're going to use video content to draw attention to your painting business or your design bureau or your law firm, whatever yep. it is, right? Very often, professionals, let's call ourselves professionals in a professional context, we tend to think we need to establish credibility. And I think people have learned that from old corporate courses somewhere. Yep. My biggest mistake, and I see this a lot, is thinking that I need to establish credibility. So what in the past would happen is a lot more like, hey, everybody, uh, my name is Yuri. I'm very interesting. I've done a lot of interesting things. And I want to tell you a couple more interesting things in this video about how you can do more interesting things. I would have a whole introduction and everybody goes, I don't give a shit. I need to talk about the interesting things. I want to learn so how not to build my flower bed. <laughs> yeah, like not having a better hook in the beginning. Give people a reason to stay. And I learned this from Ed Lawrence at Film Booth. Hey, Ed, um, who you know as well who says people are, are actively looking for a reason to click away. So they have a million choices in front of them. They're on their phone, on the bus, yeah. on, the, on the sofa at night. They were looking for reasons to click away. So give them a reason to stay in the beginning. That first opener, the first five, 10 seconds, can you, can you create a hook there that's interesting? 
And then over time, when people like your content, you can give a bit more of yourself and they go, oh, he's actually an interesting person. He did some interesting things. <laughs> and in the beginning, nobody cares about you. They're there for the content. Yeah. And you can build that over time. So that's one big one. The strong hook in the beginning. My second one is thumbnails. Thumbnails used to be an afterthought. And thumbnails are more important now than they were before. Yeah. But thumbnails used to be, I had an idea, create an entire video. Oh yeah, I got to do a bit of a thumbnail. So let's quickly in PowerPoint, do a bit of a background with a you know, picture of my face with a, with a couple of words around me. I now start with the thumbnail. I kind of start with the title of the idea and the thumbnail and I test that first. I've, like, I've heard, this I've heard people that before. Going to click on? A lot of people say that well, before they do anything, they'll create a thumbnail. Mr. Beast allegedly has videos where he's given away, you know, he gives away like millions of dollars in a Lambo and stuff like that. Yeah. He has a pile of videos which have been shot, whatever. For the people who don't know, watch, watch Mr. Beast content. It is outrageous, outrageously good in a way. He'll do things like, you know, uh, I didn't he had one the other day, he got shameful, which by the way I hated. He helped to they gave people cataracts. Um, yeah, yeah. He paid for people's cataract surgery. And then he got crap for it. Like, oh, they're using, they're using uh, people with disabilities for the betterment of his own channel. Like, dude, everybody says that rich people should do something better for the world. And you got somebody with money who goes, like, I'm just going to give money away. And they go, like, you can't do that. Anyway, different story. His videos are outrageous. You know, I, I gave, uh, no, whatever. I threw a Lamborghini off a cliff uh, onto a bouncy castle and see what happens. <laughs> Right, he has videos like that. So highly produced, they probably cost a lot of money. They fly, they fly around. He has videos sitting on the shelf which he hasn't put out there because he doesn't have the thumbnail yet. Because he does not have the perfect thumbnail yet. Yeah. And I think that and that's an extreme case. But what that says is the point I was trying to make: you can have the best video ever. If nobody clicks on it, it's irrelevant. If you have a great espresso bar where you live, but nobody ever walks in and says, "Hey, mate, can I try an espresso here?" Yeah. It doesn't matter. You, you're, you're wasting resources and time. It's the same thing so, here. So hook in the beginning, title and thumbnails. And have you noticed a difference since you adopted your thumbnail change? Absolutely, because I can already see better click-through rates, as in how many people click on the thumbnail, just from having a better thumbnail and a better title. So you can, some are a bit more clickbaity. So clickbait, by the way, for people thinking, oh, all these clever thumbnails. Thumbnails should be enticing. You can be a bit outrageous. You want people to click on it. It becomes clickbaity once people feel deceived. Once you say, click on this video for one way to make a flower bed, and I'm, I'm going to try to sell you my NFT program. Let me ask you something then on the thumbnail. And, I, and I'm not disputing the power of thumbnails. I, I, I genuinely believe it. But there's a little bit of me that thinks that your improvement in click-through rates or one's improvement in click-through rates could also be correlated to actually more people hearing of Yuri and the magic source. That's different though, because your click-through rate is, so I can see how many people saw the thumbnail. Yeah. Right? So a thousand people saw the thumbnail, a click-through rate of 3%. That means that 30 people of the thousand clicked on it. Yeah. Am I doing that right? I'm very bad at this. No, that's right. I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's either right or both uh, of us look stupid. So. Let's stick to 100. For people, for people watching this, uh, by the way, numbers are not my thing. If you ever play darts with me, please count because I will miscount. Let's do 100. So if 100 people see your thumbnail on 3%, so 3 of the 100, so 3% click on it. Yeah. If you have a 
bigger funnel, more people coming in, you can maybe have a thousand people that see that, but your click-through rate can still be uh, can still be quite low. So your click-through rate is more about how many people you get impressions, how many people see a right, thumbnail, okay. and then how many pe- and then how many people click on it. So by being being more well known and having more content out there, your impressions might go up okay. for sure. And then and then, so that's kind of that's that's connected. Uh, as in, you know, three percent of a thousand. Of course, it's more than three percent of a hundred. Yeah. Uh, but in comparison, it isn't per se. Okay. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. So to draw a line under the analysis question, click-through rate, retention, and session time are the key yep. things to be looking at overall else. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Yuri. And by the way, there's there's many more, but it is, yeah, just start there. Yeah, but you don't want to get, I mean, you don't want to drown. I mean, I've looked at YouTube Studio. I mean, there's, there's analytics and data for days. Right? I mean, if you're just starting out, you don't want that to become a reason that you don't put out content, which I'm sure it does happen to some people. Oh, in the beginning, there's a million reasons not to put out content yeah. because it's not the right time, because the lighting is a bit off, because I don't have the right camera, because, you know, my hair's not styled the right way. There's all these reasons, but you might as well get started. Indeed. What is something you struggle with or find tough? When it comes to YouTubing? Yeah. Or life in general? <laughs> What is what is something that I struggle with? Is something I g- getting getting momentum going. Okay. So what often happens is again I have a whole list of kind of videos I want to create. I'm doing shorts. I want to start around two of my podcast. Uh, just just rebuilt the website. There's just a lot of things going on, and that sometimes gets in the way of me just getting started on shooting that video. Uh, and I tend to procrastinate a lot. And by the way, if you listen to this thinking I procrastinate too, most people procrastinate yep. for good or bad reasons. It's very common. I, I'm the same. But what I've noticed is that um, it yeah, it, it can quickly get so overwhelmed where I don't do anything. It, kind of, it stifles a bit. Yep. And what I started to do recently to fight that struggle a bit, just to block out times where I, where I just get started. Even even if it's not right, even if I don't have the entire script down yet, I just get, just get the microphone out, get the lights on, and just get going. And sometimes an hour later, I still don't have anything. But with the script writing, the bit more deliberate around, I've got to have a, a thumbnail, a title, here's the video. I'm going to write the script first. I'm going to test that with a couple of people I know, like, is this looking interesting? And then just the script is there. I put up a teleprompter. By the way, for people who don't know, it just looks like this. It's just a little thing you put on your screen like that. You put your phone here. It just goes on the lens. Nice. Been using a teleprompter, which you have to get used to as well. It's a bit weird in the beginning because you, you're kind of reading like this and you forget to move. Yeah. But it's just getting started. So what 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 I getting started? What I struggle with is just the uh, yeah the getting started sometimes and just 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 do it. Just get off my feet and do it. <laughs> I kind of, you made me think like for the people starting out and you've highlighted that it's not easy. Otherwise everyone would be doing it. Is there a, is there a point where it's actually too hard? I.e. it's too hard to learn how to film. It's too hard to come up with the ideas. And for people who aren't doing this full time or who have jobs or kids or other dependencies like there's not really 
I'm trying to work out if there's shortcuts to it or there's ways to. I mean, I think what was the stat you said earlier? It takes three hours to create one minute. And I've heard other. That's, that's from me. That's from me. Yeah. And I've heard other creators similar. I mean, presumably there's. I don't know. Is there a way to make it easier, or is there a way to make yes. it less time-consuming? Yes, it is. So, to your first question, is it ever too hard? If you believe it is, it's true. Yeah. So if you believe it's hard and you don't have time and it doesn't really fit into my world right now and I've got too much going on in my life, it probably is. Okay. Whatever you believe is true. Whatever you believe is true. To the, uh, to the, is there an easy way to get started? Absolutely. My videos do not have to be edited that heavily. And if you are putting stuff on TikTok, for instance, TikTok prefers rougher content, so less produced. TikTok likes what I like to call shaky, shitty footage of kind of in the moment there. It's a little bit different. It's for a different audience as well. It depends on your audience. Yep. But of course, there are easier ways to do this. But we have everything here. Like there is no easier time to create videos. And here's how, here's how I, I, I like to, um, when people say they want to create videos, here's a little uh, something which I do. A couple of years ago during uh, COVID, everyone was working online. I wanted to help people create more videos. And what I found the biggest hurdle was just just getting them off the fence because the the, the choir of sock puppets going, yep. you can't do this and look and you don't have the right gear and you're not credible, you're too old. So I did a seven-day challenge. And the whole thing was every day in, in a small WhatsApp group, I send you guys a prompt and I want you to create a 30-second video based on that. That's it, every day. You don't know what it is. So I was like, hey, today let's talk about what's in my fridge. <laughs> Whatever. And, it's open up. And, and the really simple videos not produced, not edited, just kind of shot on the go. Yeah. Where I go, okay, so in my fridge, I've got, of course, I've got cheese because I'm Dutch, yeah? <laughs> there's my tulips, there's my mayonnaise, <laughs> right? But it was those things. And then the next day, it might be, uh, tell us a story. And uh, the other day, it was um, explain something, right? Teach us something. So I would have these little prompts and I got people to just use their phone, no editing, and they had to send it on that day. And if they didn't, if they missed the deadline, they would have to donate 500 bucks to a charity, which I picked, which was, of course, the Donald Trump Wall Federation, the wall building of, no, I'm kidding. But basically like some some silly some silly um, charity to put a bit of pressure on people and make it a bit of a competition. But what that did to people, talking about making it simple, by just sharing little videos on WhatsApp. Yeah. And I do this to you, Chris, remember? Mm -hmm. And I do this to Leanne and other people listening to this. I like to send those videos because I'm too lazy to type. Two, it's often very easy. My buddy David Pullen was asking me the other day something about a video and whether kind of a studio, how do you set this up and lights? Good. So I just do this. I'm like, okay, David, let me let me show you kind of my space over here. Not edited, unpolished, send it through, one take. It's not supposed to be polished. What that does is it just gets you used to creating videos, sharing it to people. Um, and it's a really easy way to get started. So to me, there is no simpler time to get started on this one than now. Agreed. Can you make it super complex and hard? Of course, if you have a super busy job and you're a single parent and you need to uh, look after a pack of stray dogs and you collect penguins on the side, you might not have time to spend 15 hours that week on a five-minute video, mm. but maybe you don't have to. <laughs> maybe you outsource that or maybe you just create a super rough and ready unedited video and you just slap it right onto YouTube or Instagram or LinkedIn, whatever it is. There's no easier time. But again, to my to my original point, if you think it's hard and it's impossible, yeah. it is. Whatever you believe is true. 
And just uh, as a little segue there, David Pullen, who you mentioned, is coming on the podcast uh, next week. I think he's coming on, actually. Of course he is. David's genius. I'm looking forward to David, that. David, by the way, David has, um, when I first met him, we kind of met through LinkedIn. And he reached out to Leanne, who's one of my business partners, set up a program with. And uh, Leanne sits in Australia. And I think I'm, I met David through, uh, through Leanne. And I, I sent David a video. He wanted to chat. He said, oh, I would love to chat about something. And I sent him a little video and he sent a video back. And David has the most amazing voice because he was a voice actor and an actor before. Uh, voice actors are actors too. <laughs> and he's got, he's got this beautiful voice. And, and I think in one of my videos, when I first started chatting to him, I, I, I referenced him. I said, I put him in the same breath as uh, Morgan Freeman and uh, who's Darth Vader again? Uh, James Earl James Jones. Jones. He's, just, he's just such a good voice. So they, when you see David Pullen, just, just the voice, man. You're the voice. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, just to draw a line under the previous question, have you ever thought about packing it in, stopping creating stuff on YouTube? Yes, all the time. Do you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I did for a while. Because it, it's hard work and it's like, oh God, for the, for the money you're getting for it, it's really not worth it. And it shouldn't be about the money, I get that. But almost everybody creating content gets to that point it's like, Man, I've done like 200 videos. I put all my blood, sweat, and tears into this one. I sold my wedding rings to buy a camera, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's just not taking off. And it's not even like I'm not making money. It's more like, you know, maybe people are not interested in this. This is, I'm, I'm sitting here alone in like a really small pool. Nobody's in, I, maybe I should do something. I maybe I should go on OnlyFans. <laughs> it was a great, great alternative, by the way. <laughs> so I've, I've had that many times. But then I remind myself that nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, and it is a nice little hobby. It's a, it's a saner and a healthier hobby than many others. And I just, I just enjoy doing it so much. So I just stopped caring. Understand that Mr. Beast's first 500 videos, he said nobody watched. Yeah. He was like, he had like a thousand subscribers. It was crap. And he said, because they just weren't good enough. And I like that ownership of things. I think particularly now in a world where too many people blame others, they blame whatever, because they weren't hugged by their dad or because they didn't get the same opportunity because of, you know, some secret society or the patriarchy. Everybody's blaming stuff where Mr. B says himself, he goes, like, they just weren't good enough. But I kept going and eventually people liked that and I got better. Is that delayed, That's it. Is that delayed gratification, isn't it? Everybody wants stuff instantly, right? We're living in the delivery uh, prime generation where stuff's on our doorstep five minutes after we order yep. it and... And, and we see the likes of Mr. Beast with hundreds of millions of subscribers. It's like, oh, well, if he can do it, how hard can it be? <laughs> of course. But he's been doing it. I think, I, I think we might have listened to the same podcast that he was on, but he's been doing it like 15 years. Yes. He started as a kid. His first videos, I think he's a, he's, he's only 27 or something, right? yeah. so he started at 12. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. So he's been doing it forever, but it's with most people. There's very few overnight successes. You you have no idea what people do to get there. Yeah. Everybody says it's easy. Of course it's easy. Oh, I can do that. I can just like put a camera on me and waffle on three. I'm going to go fucking do it then. What are you waiting for? If you have something to share, do it. Mm. And people go, oh, it's really hard. Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> but but there's, there's, a little, there's a little consolation here as well by knowing that because it's hard to get to the start of this conversation because it's hard most people will fall off anyway yeah. they won't do it they won't go they won't go the extra mile 
you know, to go a bit David Goggins on this one. The great thing is Goggins always says, you know, the great thing is people nowadays are soft and weak. Yeah. It's so much, it's so easy to stand out because a lot of people won't. And I believe that it is very, very hard work, but I will tell you, you don't have to do it. I always tell people, but I don't want to start a YouTube channel. You don't have to. Nobody says you have to, but if you do it, let's say if you do it like this, uh, Roberto Blake is a YouTuber I've been following for a couple of years. Yeah. A great channel, a lot of fantastic insights. Uh, and I think in one of his videos, he mentioned this. I've never forgotten this. When he got tired, he goes, if you are going to do it, at least commit to a, a hundred crappy videos. Yeah. You won't really know much about it unless you do a hundred. Mr. B says the I started same, Brazi- Exactly. Yeah. I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a couple of months ago. I won't know anything about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whether it's something for me, whether I like it, whether I can do it. In, in in four trainings, yeah. in four sessions. I'm not going to learn anything. It's the same thing with everything. So at least if you are going to go for something, just commit to doing it. Understand that nobody's watching you anyway, so you might as well fly under the radar and play and and, and fail and, and kind of readjust. Because you can restart every day. You can start every day again. It's To me, it's so liberating. And knowing that most people are just going to drop out in. They're going to tap out. So... If you find some love in this and you're willing to do the work and you're willing to learn um, and you see this as a long, long-term thing, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you might have a shot. And whatever that shot is, maybe you want to be famous. Cool. Maybe you don't want to be famous, but you want this to be your source of income. Cool. Do that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's still early days. It's the same question every year. Is 2023 a good year to start YouTube? They've been saying that that same video has been coming out for the last 15 years. Oh, it's really saturated. They've been saying that for 10 years, guys. You might as well just get started. See where it takes you. Okay. Good advice. If you could shadow one YouTuber for the day, who would it be and why? Mr. Beast. And I can tell you, I've only watched like four Mr. Beast videos. I, it's, his content's not really, to me, is not that interesting. I like the production. I like how outrageous it is. Uh, it's not really my kind of content per se. Uh, the reason I say him, because I thought about that one for a long time, because I just think it's just so outrageous. I would love to see what that looks like <laughs> where you do this at scale with a team of 25 people yeah. and kind of whatever, calling local, I'm sure they call or whatever, they call like a car dealer and go, hey, you know, we're doing this video um, and we want to have one of your cars to be um, featured in this video. And I go, oh, cool. They go, yeah, but we are going to drop it off a, off a bridge. <laughs> Out of a plane. <laughs> I want to see what that's like. <laughs> the production behind this and are they indeed having fun, but also the business side because it is a business. He's making good money. He's making good dough. He's giving a lot of that away. Did I, did I, share, he, did I share the podcast with his manager that was... Um, yes, share, yes. Yeah. The funny, it's the, it's just I, I I would I would love to shadow him. Just, go, go for it. I was going to say the funny thing with him. So I've listened to a lot of podcasts with him on it, and it, and I mean this as a compliment. He's very boring on his podcast because he says the same things all the time, and he has he has that process right where he's like, no, you got to do the hard work. You got to put in the hundred episodes. You got to do work on your time. And he'll say the same thing like even though he's at 100 plus million subscribers, I don't think his process has really changed. I mean, it's got grander, undoubtedly, right? He's he's spending more and, and the rest of it. But at the core, the way he approaches things seems to be pretty much the same. I, I agree. Yeah. There's so much power in 
sticking to that same message. I had a client once who told me, she says, oh, after 10 years, you still have the same or similar kind of messages. I'm like, yeah, isn't it fascinating that 10 years <laughs> later, I still have to talk about this. Yeah. And they think it's like completely genius and, and breakthrough. I'm like, and it's not even me. I learned this from people who came before me who said the same kind of things. So I don't think you have to be super original or new or different all the time. It is often very basic things. We like to make things very complicated. It's the same with fitness. Yeah. Of course, it's more complicated if you believe in anabolic windows and you need special creatine powders. Of course, that will help you sell stuff. But the reality is, is anybody into fitness, as anybody who's into strength building, will tell you similar things. You know, they'll tell you about rest, calories in, calories out, um, compound Progress, exercises. Yep. Yeah, so the, the, those principles have not changed, have not changed at all. Mm. And they've been around since the day of uh, Lou Ferrigno and Schwarzenegger to, you know, even, even even earlier, probably like hundreds of years. I don't think principles change that much. Yeah. So it, to me, that's very enlightening and very uh, sobering to see somebody who does that cool stuff, who keeps saying, guys, it's not that hard. But people want it to be hard, maybe because that's how they sell stuff. They though, it's Yuri, more right? you, can't, you can't sell boring, boring programs, sure. right? If you can have this differentiator, it's like, oh, you know, you, you're not talking about your metabolic window and your blah 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 blah. You know, rather than saying, oh, well, you know, just do some exercise every day and progress, you know, get a little bit better. Like it's boring, yeah, but it works. Learn to do a push up, yeah, yeah. On, on maybe it is but so it's so it's, it's very refreshing to see him do that because he is i think now on the list of like top 100 influences and well and good for him yeah. i i think he's he's doing a, a genius job and not without criticism because like i said he's done some stuff for charity and people are saying that he's a, he's a shill and he's using that for his own gain well then so what he still helped like a thousand people get cataract surgery so i think that's really cool yeah but i i, li I like that he's keeping it real and keeping it simple and uh, you know it is my my whole conclusion of my forty six years in life is most things are actually pretty simple. You just got to work really hard for it. Yeah, I agree. You um you introduced me to Mister Who's the Boss, the YouTube channel. Yeah, and I I, I watched also genius. Yeah, but he did a tour of Mister Beast Studio. Have you seen that? I haven't one? seen that one yet. Oh really? No, must must be crazy. Oh, you should watch it. Obviously, two of your two creators you admire. Do you think you'd really like? I'll link to it below, but it's kind of blows your mind a little bit the scale that mr beast is working on but i'm, I'm sure um but how much how much fun is that for that guy to be having fun as well oh you know and it's what you and, want and when you're a kid a, right you want to you want to grow up to be doing he, he, the stuff he's, he's the dream exactly but he's he's also he's also a beautiful example and you know, mr beast is one there's pewdiepie there's uh, uh peter mckinnon uh, casey neistat there's um so many people out there now like content creators who maybe knowingly, unknowingly, have given a bit of a middle finger to the establishment where years ago, it was laughed at. Like, people even laughed at me, kind of going, why are you creating videos? This is like such a waste of time. Yeah. It's a stupid. You're really, what are you, like 15? Mm. <laughs> like, that's not a business. You're just creating videos. Okay. Well, look at these kids now, you know, 17 years old gaming, you know, with a Lambo. I'm not saying you need to go for a Lambo, because, by the way, I think there are cooler cars in the world. If you do have that money, you want to spend it. I don't think you have to lead that live, but good for them showing that it, it can work yeah um and it's it's totally attainable but again we're talking about the extremes there's a lot of people who can use this platform not just to make money but to to get their ideas out there first of all to make something which you already said is is very 
gratifying to reach new different people and help other people. Yeah. If you help, is this Zig Ziglar? If you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. Never heard that one? No, not nice. Look at me being the quote mobile over here. Wisdom. It's somewhat well. So, we, I mean, you shared a lot of advice. So, I don't know if you're going to roll it up into one one uh, succinct answer. But if someone came up to you and said they wanted to create a YouTube channel of their own, what would you tell them? Apart from nobody cares. <laughs> I know that would not be my first one. That would only come out when they say, oh, "I'm really afraid," and if I look stupid. Actually, let me ask you a different question. Has anyone seen your content and asked you that question as a result? Maybe, as in, maybe, as in maybe a, I want to start a YouTube channel. Yeah, maybe a friend or family member or... All the time. Oh. And, and you, actually, they're usually not people I know. They're, they're often a, uh, hey, my my mate here also wants to start a YouTube channel. And I thought you two should uh, should chat like I have nothing to do with my time, which I find interesting. Um, you two should chat. And, and before, if I had some time, I would go like, yeah, you know, I'll get on a call with somebody I didn't know and just... They would ask me questions. How do you get started? What kind of camera? And and then I realized it is that of the, let's say, eight conversations I had with people who said they wanted to start a channel, none of them did anything with it. Mm. Zero. Zero got off the ground, which then pissed me off a bit because like now I'm just wasting my time. Yep. So I, now I flip it around. Somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, I would love to start a YouTube channel. Um, and you know, I'd like to pick your brain. I'd like to grab you for a coffee and just, just and I'll go, okay. So I'll make you a deal. You set up a channel and you you upload the first 12 videos. Once you have 12 videos up, you can call me again. And just by saying that, 99% will disappear because it will never. Because they that first video, for the same reasons as we've been talking about, it won't get off the ground. The flip side is, by the time somebody does have 12 videos up, they already have immense learning and immense hurdles they've had to overcome just to do this. Yep. How do you record a video? Okay, how do I get this video from my phone to my laptop? How do I upload a video? So they've already have done a lot of work. And now you've got something to play with. Yep. So anything, anybody that comes up with just an idea, I wish, you know, get, get something started. Unless you have something out there, I'm not even going to lift it. I'm just going to ignore you. If you want my attention, I'll help you. But get your first 12 videos up. So that would be my advice. I want to start a YouTube channel. Cool. You can start tomorrow. Tomorrow, you can set up. Tonight, you can set up a channel. Pick a name for it. Just call it Chris Hutchings crazy ideas channel and then and then record 12 videos i don't care if they're short or long form 12 videos uh and put them up once you have that you can call me again i'll happily sit down with you and tell you what i want what 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 you want to know until that time no i won't do anything because i'll be wasting my time and so are you so that would be my advice just, just just do it get something out there Nobody's going to watch it anyway, but then at least you got something started and then you got your channel, you know how to do it. And then from there, look at that. You got a beautiful platform, a springy platform yeah. for which you can take it to the next level. And there's always going to be a next level. My first subscriber was a big deal. My first 100 subscribers did a video. Thank you for the 100 subscribers. I did one for 666, number of the devil. I did one for 1,000. That was like a big, big deal. Then I broke 5,000. I got my first... Um, sponsorship so road sent me a, a microphone and a real cool cap and stuff like can you review some of our stuff you want to use that you know the first money i made my first ten dollars i made from a bit of ad revenue all these things are like small milestones yeah um and i want to create a little scrapbook by the way of all these little things like my first troll comment my first uh <laughs> 
you know, dislike my first, all that stuff. They're, they're all part of a journey. And at the end of the day, you know, the journey is always much more interesting than the, than the destination. God, you're, always throwing, is. you're throwing out some wisdom bombs this, uh, today, Yuri. Um, I just watch a lot of Instagram. I watch these uh, like quotes and I've got a whole screen up here on my Pinterest board and I'm just regurgitating those. Post-its behind the camera, I know. Listen, if we spoke again in 12 months and you considered it had been a successful year for the Magic Source YouTube channel, what would have happened? Um, well, I will have merch on that. I'll have the Magic Source merch. I'll be very happy. So I'll pass the 10,000 and I want to see some exponential growth. I'm, I'm creating slightly different content for my channel, where before it was much more kind of niche, kind of how do you facilitate innovation? Now it's more kind of inspiration for innovation, inspiration for business creatives. How are other people breaking the rules? What are some cool ideas that are out there? With that, I think I'll get a bigger audience and I think I'll see that over the next year. So definitely growth in terms of views and stuff like that. But but more importantly, just just more content. I want to be able to look back at content of two years ago and kind of go, yeah, that wasn't that good. I want to see the progress. That to me would be success. And I want to have at least one or two more clients who found me through YouTube and have jumped to the business where before it was people from the business that have then jumped onto YouTube. That to me would be success. Swag, numbers up, and uh, at least at least two more clients that have come in through the channel. So I'd love to work with you. Here's a million dollars. Come do creative <laughs> stuff for us. I would love that. Do you, you just said something that made me think about, and obviously you've brought an editor on board to speed up the process. Do you, do you have a target of how many videos you'd like to put out each week? No, but now that I found an editor that 15 hours, I'm now going to give away to somebody else. They'll do probably 85% of it, 90% of it. Yep. I still have to do a bit of work left and right. Of course, recording it and scripting, maybe over time that will be outsourced. Um, with that, I'll have more time to record. I should be able to record more send it to people to edit now that they get my style a bit and all the stuff that's rolling. So I want to get to about two per week. Okay. Um, but that just seems like an okay number. But many people ask, like, how many videos should I put out there? Well, it depends on a million different things. It depends on your channel, your audience, etc. But more importantly, remember that retention time I talked about? Yeah. Maybe you don't need a million different videos. Matt, Matt Davela does not put out that many videos, but he puts out ones that are really good, highly produced, mm. and they get a ton of views. So maybe that's your strategy. Maybe you just do one a month, yeah. but you maybe it takes like a month of research. It really depends. Find something that works for you. Fair enough. That, I think, is a good place to end today's podcast. I want to thank you again for coming on. And I joke about your wisdom bombs, but... I. I, I'm loving the stuff that's getting shared in this new 10Q format. So I want to thank you. Obviously, I'm a big fan of your channel and the content you put out. Where can people come and find you and subscribe and, and see what you're doing? The Magic Source. Just look up that. The Magic Source. YouTube is a channel. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. But basically, if you look up the Magic Source, you're going to get one company on the third spot on the Google ranking that actually makes some kind of magic hot sauce, <laughs> some sriracha, something, and the magic sauce innovation, you'll always find me there uh, across channels. I'm very active on LinkedIn, very active on YouTube. So looking forward to seeing you there. If you are a bit of a business creative, you like to break some of the rules, you want something that's new and different, or just, just fill your brain with some provocative thinking and some new and different ideas, I think you might enjoy some of the work that we have. Do you know, I think also, just to add to that, I think... 
if you are a creative, if you are a YouTuber and you're putting out content, I think Yuri's channel would be a good place just to see a different style of editing and production that whilst you might not be working in the business world or the creative world, you know, that world, there will be some definite takeaways and things that you could probably put into your own channel. So go check it out, go say hi to Yuri and the sooner you subscribe, the sooner you can get your hands on one of his magic sauce hoodies. <laughs> and that's one. And you, as I said, I, I will respond. So I'm still very approachable. Once I get to like this God level later on, I might not yeah, respond to the commoners anymore. But until this time, I am just a commoner like you. You can always reach out. I love to chat to people and uh, love to chat with you. And thank you, Chris, for having me yet again. Always a pleasure uh, for making me feel very welcome and uh, allowing me to divulge some of my little musings and ideas no it's my absolute pleasure yuri thank you well what do you reckon that was thank you interview with yuri shoulders the man behind the magic source youtube channel if you made it to the end thank you i hope you enjoyed it i'm sure you did yuri was as ever um a joy to listen to i, I really respect what yuri has to say and you know the wisdom he shares I think will take you places if if YouTube is your uh, channel of choice. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at Tenku Interview everywhere you may look or listen. That's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening or watching this. And the next Tenku Interview episode will be live very, very soon. Make sure to share it with a creator you know. Take care of yourselves. Bye.